0: Mood with Kim G.C. Moody Podcast. I'm your host, Kim Moody. I'm a Canadian tax expert who has over 30 years of experience at a specialist level dealing with Canada-U.S. tax matters for the private client. For those of you who know me, I love the study of leadership. I'm passionate about entrepreneurship and how tax and economic policy impacts Canadian entrepreneurs, executives, and average Canadians. This podcast will discuss topics relating to taxation Taxation policy, leadership, economics, and the odd political comment as it relates to the previous topics, all in a lighthearted and playful style. Strap in and come along to the run. Good day. My name is Kim Moody, and I'm your host for In the Mood with Kim G.C. Moody podcast. And today I want to talk to you about a topic that I wrote about earlier this week for the Financial Post since I'm a weekly tax columnist for the Financial Post in Canada. And also I wrote about it in my one-to-one-to-one newsletter, which is on my personal website at kimgcmoody.com. I release a weekly newsletter every Wednesday on one topic on taxation, one topic on leadership, and one topic on economics or public policy. And that's why I call it one to one to one. And I encourage you to uh, go to my personal website and, and uh, sign up under the connect button to uh, to get on the mailing list. But I wrote about nonprofits and their tax exemption in Canada and whether or not it's time for a review. And um, because ultimately, uh, there's been no review, significant review in this space since income tax came into into law in Canada uh, in 1917. And so, before we get going on that, let, let's maybe just clarify what is a nonprofit organization? And, you know, because a lot of people confuse nonprofit organizations with registered charities, and they are not. And, I'm, and nonprofits, I'm going to call them NPOs for the purpose of this podcast, just to keep, keep it simple. You know, the Canada Revenue Agency describes what a nonprofit organization is in its material that's publicly available online. And I think they do a pretty good job of the description actually. So let me just pair it to you what they say here. So nonprofit organizations are associations, clubs or societies that are not charities. And I'm gonna stop there for a second. That's a key distinguishment to understand NPOs. NPOs are not registered charities. Um, and so today's podcast is not about registered charities. It's about the tax exemption status for NPO. So I'm going to keep going here. And are organized and operated exclusively for social welfare. What is social welfare? That's, you know, my definition of that is basically, you know, to make, you know, organized to take care of either a certain group of society or, or uh, maybe the overall welfare of, of our community. But in any event, I'll keep going. Civic improvement, pleasure, recreation, or any other purpose. Well, I'll stop there for a second. Any other purpose. That's pretty broad. <laughs> so if you think of a purpose, it's probably caught by that. Accept profit. And I think those last two words are key. Accept profit. And so you need to appreciate that you need to be an association, club, or society. That's operated for social welfare, civic improvement, pleasure, recreation, or any other purpose except profit. Okay, pretty broad definition. So what then is a registered charity? Because a lot of people, as I mentioned, think that NPOs are registered charities. And they're not, as I've made that point already. So let's continue on with material from the Canada Revenue Agency, because I think they do a nice job of describing what a registered charity is. And so on their website, it says, registered charities are charitable organizations, public foundations, or private foundations that are created and resident in Canada. They must use the resources for charitable activities and have charitable purposes that fall into one or more of the following categories. The relief of poverty, that's number one. Number two, the advancement of education. Number three, the advancement of religion. Or number four, other purposes that benefit the community. So, stopping there, um, the the key is it must meet one of those four categories. And it doesn't have, like an NPO, that broad, any other purpose. It must, for a registered charity, fall within one of those four categories. Um, As far as the objects and purpose of that organization being charitable. that's a tough thing to ultimately fall into sometimes because let's say you're you you're creating an org- organization to advance you know the his, the history of hockey well is that for the relief of poverty you know probably not the advancement of education eh, debatable because we're talking about history you know the advancement of religion well <laughs> some canadians might think hockey is a religion but nope probably not or other purposes that benefit the community? Well, debatable, you know, does the historical advancement of hockey history, uh, or or study I mean, uh, meet that purpose of benefiting the community, eh, debatable. So you get into these debates of whether or not an organization's uh, objects or purpose are indeed one of those four categories, thus being charitable. Um, so, in pl- so just to bring this you know, into a bit of a real life um, scenario, charities must be registered. And that registration process can be very lengthy and difficult because ultimately it's the Canada Revenue Agency that will confirm the registration status. And once confirmed, you know, once issue, you know, once an organization is confirmed as a registered charity, they now have the ability to receive funds you know, donations uh, or other incidental revenues that are generated by the organization um, with a tax exemption. There's no tax on those receipts. And in addition, they can issue charitable tax receipts to donors so that the donors, if they're individuals, can claim tax credits, personal tax credits. Or if they're anybody other than individuals, like a corporation, for example, they can claim tax deductions. And so that tax exemption status and the uh, ability to issue donation receipts is very powerful for registered charities recently you know um, i'm one of the one of a group of about five co-founders and i'm the current chair of an organization called the aristotle foundation and we applied for registered charity status and and uh, because we believe that our charities or sorry our organizations Uh, objects and purpose, you know, fall within those four categories. And I can tell you the Canada Revenue Agency did a good job of exploring in detail whether or not our objects and purpose uh, would meet those, you know, the the required four categories. Now you don't have to meet all four categories, but certainly one of them. And again, the the CRA did a, a very thorough job. Now, the downside is that it took us the better part of 24 months to get that registration status confirmed, along with thousands of dollars of legal fees. You know, our, our charitable uh, tax lawyers did a re- very nice job of, of guiding us through the process, um, and ultimately, at the end of the day, uh, it was uh, confirmed. But that certainly is a downside. Now, with nonprofit organizations (NPOs). Do they need a registration process or do they need to go through that process that we had to go through to get registration status for the, for the Aristotle Foundation? And the answer is no. All, all NPOs need to do is to create their organization legally, whether it's a corporation under certain provincial uh, corporations act or, or another type of society or what have you, and once it's legally created, which is usually pretty straightforward to do and not time consuming, then they're off to the races in terms of generating their revenues. Uh, and as long as they believe they have nonprofit status, then they're tax exempt. So very big distinguish distinguishments between the differences between an MPO and, and a registered charity. Um, but the commonality is that both those organizations are tax exempt on their revenues. And specifically, under subsection 149 one of the Income Tax Act, um, charities are exempt under paragraph F of that subsection, and nonprofits are exempt under paragraph L of that subsection. Now, I'll talk about unions later on, you know, towards the end of the podcast here, but unions are also exempt you know, as labor organizations under paragraph K um, of that subsection, and so you know, the, I think it's again key to understand that nonprofits there's no registration or approval process, and the other issue that's key to understand is with registered charities, the ability to issue tax receipts comes with huge responsibilities. They must ensure, of course, that they continue to. Um, meet their charitable objects, they can't stray from that. Um, but they also have to file tax returns and release a bunch of information to, to the Canada Revenue Agency, which ultimately becomes public. Any member of the public can go and take a look at the charitable uh, organization's um, filings and look at their revenues, look at their, uh, and, 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 and it's basically transparent. And whereas with nonprofits, there is no such transparency process. Certainly they have to continue to do tax filings, but those filings and the amount of revenues they receive and why their tax exemption status is still appropriate, none of that is public. Unlike registered charities, as I've mentioned, it is. And so that has been part of the overall criticism of NPOs is that there's just not a lot of transparency. And so, and so fast forward to 2014, you know, which is a significant uh, time frame from when the exemption first came into being in effectively 1917. And uh, the government at the time in 2014, uh, the finance minister was um, M- Minister Flaherty, who I think, um, you know, Jim Flaherty, who was I-, I think one of the top three Uh, finance ministers in Canadian history. I I would also put Michael Wilson in there, and I'd also put uh, Paul Martin in there as well, and we could certainly debate offline (laughs) uh, who else should go in there, but I think certainly from my study of Canadian history, um, and certainly my knowledge of Canadian tax, I would put those, those ministers' top three. But Minister Flaherty in 2014, when he released the 2014 federal budget, it was a bit of a surprise, and I thought, you know, when I reflected on it, I thought it was pretty good. But they announced the intention to review whether or not the income tax exemption for nonprofits was properly targeted and whether there is sufficient transparency and accountability provisions in place for NPOs. Let me read to you a, a, a quote right out of the 2014 budget documents, um, and so this is what Minister Flaherty said. Concerns have been raised that some organizations claiming the NPO tax exemptions may be earning profits that are not incidental to carrying out the organization's nonprofit purposes, making income available for personal benefit of members, or maintaining disproportionately large reserves. In addition, because reporting requirements for NPOs are limited, Members of the public may not be adequately able to assess the activities of these organizations, and it may be challenging for the Canada Revenue Agency to evaluate the entitlement of an organization to the tax exemption. And then it goes on, um, it says, the budget 2014 announces the government's intention to review whether the income tax exemption for MPOs remains properly targeted. As part of the review, the government will release a consultation paper for comment and will further consult with stakeholders as appropriate. Okay. So that's the early part of 2014 for those people who like history. And even though that's, you know, 10 years ago, almost now, um, the, um, you know, fast forward to October of 2015, we had an election federally and there was a government change. I'll tell you that what happened with that announcement was virtually nothing. Um, no consultation paper to my knowledge, at least any, of it was released. And certainly, there was no material consultation. I think zero consultation. And after the government change, this um, initiative was quietly and quickly dropped. And now that doesn't mean that you know the Department of Finance or other uh, government workers said that or bureaucrats said that you know that this was dead completely. Uh, they certainly reserved the right to you know to to look at this in the future. But the the short story is that it hasn't happened. And in my view, it should happen. Uh, So let me give you an example as to why. So let's pretend that you have an organ. And I wrote about this example in my financial post piece and also my one to one to one newsletter. Let's say, for example, you have uh, the XYZ family who started a sports club. You know, let's say they started about 30 years ago. And this is a totally made up example, by the way, Uh, but there's certainly examples like this that exist out there. So let, let's say they started a sports club and the intention of the club was to promote sporting activities for the community. And so the club charges fees or membership uh, dues for members. And it also charges fees for you know, participating in leagues that the club organizes. And it charges concessions and it, and it sells t-shirts and you know, related materials. And at the end of the day, amounts of money are paid to the XYZ family for running the club and at the end of the, uh, and the tax exemption is claimed for profits for the club. And so in an example like that, is the tax exemption for that club appropriate? And let's say, for example, that there's other competing for profit uh, clubs, like health clubs, for example, that that ha- or fitness clubs that have leagues or some similar arrangements, and they also sell goods like t-shirts and, and related merchandise, so, uh, and, but they pay tax on their profits, whereas in the club, they do not. Is, is it appropriate? Well, I don't think we have enough facts and details in my, in my very general example to, to, you know, to form a a limited conclusion. Try that again. A firm conclusion is what I meant to say. But at the very minimum, do we have enough facts to at least say, hmm, maybe we should be reviewing this? And I think the answer to that is, yeah, I think we do. But the problem is, is that there's not enough transparency with with the club because they simply file tax returns and and, uh, with the a Revenue Agency, but it's not publicly available. There's no transparency to effectively compare it. Um, like if it was a registered charity, it would have, um, you know, the public would have that ability to, to take a look. And so I think it's high time to resurrect that consultation, resurrect that review, just to see whether or not the tax exemptions for nonprofits is... Still, you know, should it be as widely based with no transparency or limited transparency as it is today? And is there better ways that that tax exemption can be deployed? Um, in my view, it's inappropriate for both charities and for nonprofits (NPOs) to compete with profit entities. Uh, that's a general statement, and I think there is some exceptions, like pension funds, for example. Certainly invest in real estate, um, and in some cases, it's probably appropriate to do so in order to ensure maximum returns for their, for the pension holders. But it, but even with something like that, I think there's you know it, it's time to potentially review um, whether or not pension funds, which are exempt uh, from tax, should have the ability unlimited ability to Uh, compete with for-profit entities and so but that's a topic for another day Uh, and certainly I am not a pension fund follows uh, public policy expert by any means but what I do always look at is whether or not the deployment of a tax exemption for registered charities for nonprofits and unions and and say pension funds and, and, and other organizations is still appropriate and in my view with NPOs getting back to the topic of the day today I think it's high time to take a targeted look like what was proposed in the 2000 federal budget, which unfortunately got, got abandoned. Now, to close off the podcast today, you know, for those of you who know me, I, I uh, certainly am not shy on providing my opinions, uh, and I just want to close the podcast today with a couple quick comments on unions. Um, unions, I think, uh, historically have played a very important role Um, role in protecting workers' interests. Um, Today they still play an important role. Uh, Whether or not it's still needed uh, on a broad-based basis, I'm I'm not so sure, Uh, and that's certainly beyond my area of expertise, but I would submit to you that there's still an important, very important role for them to play. Perhaps not as as important as it once historically was, like I mentioned, but that's again. That's a discussion for another day. Unions are the receipts uh, that they receive mainly from um, member dues, which in most cases are mandatory. Um, are for the members are are not subject to tax by the union, as I mentioned early on in this podcast. the The problem I have with unions' tax exemption status, and I have the same issue with with registered charities and with NPOs is the fact that a lot of the use of those funds of unions are blatantly used for political activities. And, um, you know, one might argue that, well, what's wrong with that? Because, you know, a purpose of a union or a labour organization is is to ensure, you know, that workers' interests are protected and that goes hand in hand with political activities and ensuring that their preferred candidates and parties are, are elected. And you know what, I understand that side of the argument. The, the, the problem I have is that on a blanket basis, I don't believe all of the members um, of, of a particular union would agree with the political activities or the stereotypical support uh, of a labor type political party or candidate. Uh, In my view, dollars received by an individual member and then deployed on political activities on a blanket basis uh, is just not not appropriate. And so I think it's time to review to either restrict the use of, uh, of those funds for political activities like it is for registered charities. Registered charities have a very limited ability to deploy their funds in political activities but not so for unions and certainly not so for NPOs. And so I think it's high time to look at that uh, with with both unions and NPOs, and at a minimum look at whether or not the tax exemption as it relates to those activities is still appropriate. So with that, and uh, I'll leave it just for you to think about that because uh, that's a topic that's pretty complex from a public policy perspective and tax policy perspective. uh, perspective. But I think the issue that I'm raising today with respect to improved transparency for NPOs and an overall review of whether or not NPOs uh, should have the ability to compete head on um, needs to be uh, reviewed. And also, and I didn't mention this too much, but I also think the activities of an NPO where it benefits the members. And in the example that I used with XYZ, you know amounts paid to XYZ's family uh, for that sporting club, whether or not that's appropriate in the circumstances as well, or whether or not there should be exemptions. Uh, try that again, whether or not there should be very uh, strict restrictions in order to ensure the tax exemption remains for NPOs. So, there you go. Hope, uh, hope you enjoyed today's podcast. I look forward to doing more, and I always appreciate your feedback. Take a look at my one-to-one-to-one newsletter or sign up on my mailing list on my website at kimgcmoody.com. And if you like this podcast, please share it and and subscribe and or like. So thanks very much. Bye now. So there you have it, another episode of In the Mood with Kim G.C. Moody podcast. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed doing it, I'm always open to feedback. Please reach out to me at my personal website at kimgcmoody.com. Feel free to sign up to my mailing list for my one-to-one-to-one newsletter where I comment on one comment on taxation, one comment on leadership, and one comment on economic or public policy matters. And feel free to reach out to me on my LinkedIn account as well. Until next time, take care. Bye.